Chapter Twelve of Man and Nature on the Broads by Arthur Henry Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. December in Broadland. O winter, ruler of the inverted year, thy scattered hair with sleet like ashes filled. I love thee all unlovely as thou seemst, and dreaded as thou art by thompson december on the whole is not a pleasant month it is generally ushered in with clouds and vapours and stormy days are not infrequent now and again towards its close the hoar-frost is scattered like ashes or a mantle of snow covers the landscape with whiteness on broadland there is an apparent cessation from outdoor labour the farmer has finished ploughing but the feeding and housing of his cattle demand attention whilst hodge jobs about as he expresses it for there is corn to be thrashed in the open weather and grain to be carted he will tell you that it don't do bore to fold your arms and not to keep a doin summat and master's wery good that way in findin jobs for to do our old fenman friend finds scant idle time except when the waters are hard frizz reed cutting commences now there's hedging and ditching to do whilst up at the warren he finds it not unprofitable to help the warrener net rabbits for an adjacent market-town and for this latter congenial adjunct his brace of ferrets comes in exceeding handy he finds them useful too in clearing the farmer's premises of rats not that he altogether exterminates them nor would he wish to if he could for winter'll come round again some day you know and what's the ferrets for this admission jim trett would not venture to make to any but a trusty friend it is a dull murky day with the promise of a change which cannot be for a much worse that finds us turning our backs upon the quiet broadland station we saw little to interest us coming along a number of white gulls on most friendly terms with their opposites in colour the rooks were foraging on a fresh ploughed field flocks of sober tinted larks rose up on either side as we startled them into hurried flight we might perhaps have observed more had we not become so absorbed in a gossip carried on by some substantial-looking country wives who have been to town to purchase their christmas groceries it is simply astonishing how everyone knows everybody else's business in these quiet villages we are treated to a sample of it amongst other analysis their intermarriages and family relationships are worked out in a genealogy as amusing as it is exhaustive none too pleasant is our walk broadwards the roads are veritable sloughs of despond 
and the unpleasant drizzle which has evolved from the thickening vapours driven by the wind filters through the leafless hedges as we plod along we speedily overtake a miserable object shambling along ahead of us and forcing our conversation upon him bit by bit draw from him the story of a misspent life and present destitution he once ran well but the strong drink hindered him it is the old story a goodly start pleasant prospects success temptation yielding gambling passions aroused excessive indulgence theft exposure then in quick succession followed hopelessness carelessness want and misery could it be possible that the unhappy rag-draped specimen of humanity rubbing shoulders against our own glad of but unprofiting by a word of sympathy was once in affluent circumstances and one whom the honourable at one time esteemed as one of them we study his bleared physiognomy thereon yet linger traces of refinement and education we query as to his wandering in such an outlandish country sir replies he what matters it to wretched cain whither he wanders so long as no one knows him so long as a crust is to be had for the asking and a public-house is looming in the distance alas for poor humanity it is not sufficiently tempting to-day for us to venture out upon the open broad the rain has ceased and a streak of blue intervenes between the retreating rain-cloud and a darker one which follows the wind still blusters but from the way the tell-tale on yonder mill-cap whirls round and strange harsh grating sounds proceed from part of the unoiled machinery we notice it is veering a point or two more northward a pelting hailstorm bursts upon us how keen the air is becoming sleet begins to mix with the lessening hailstones and there is the promise of snow in those mountainous clouds looming up from the horizon the sun breaks out awhile and tinges the whole scene with a warm ruddy hue which is superseded by a colder yellow from a little brick broadland bridge we are content to take our survey of the broads here in their leisure moments in the finer days and on sundays between church times the natives delight to mardle resting their chins upon their folded arms on its parapets and here they love to ruminate we are not one whit better than they before us lies a broad with a white-edged ripple dancing upon its surface as the wind beats down it flinging the froth in amongst the stems of the bending reeds the breeze for a moment lulls and the yellow-brown reeds and rushes duplicate themselves in the depths decaying leaves and broken stems 
sprinkle the surface amongst them the debris of the water-lilies the mare's tail and many another broad plant are rotting to form fresh soil below all around and about the broad signs of the year's decadence are apparent the old willow's slender twigs are bare and the beech's more distorted branches are as naked lichens are crowding the tree trunks only the fir trees in which the wood pigeons now resort at eventide bear the slightest resemblance to their summertime glories we miss the songs of the woodland birds the crack 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 of the moorhen is only heard at intervals the scolding of the crested grebes we listen for in vain most of them have gone to the milder southern counties a few may be found in winter in our open estuaries to-day but one or two have ventured to show themselves here they will be ready to visit salt water when the broad becomes clothed with an icy mantle we do not discern even a pike fisher to-day the only individual in keeping with our surroundings is a fenman cutting reeds we bring our glasses to bear upon him a plank pushed over the bows of his flat reed boat rests upon it and the stumps of those reeds already cut they easily support his weight the process is simple yet requires some judgment holding a bunch in his danoked or gloved left hand he makes a slightly upward sweep with his sickle cutting the reed stems as near the surface of the water as possible an axiom of the broadman says an inch a reed below waters wath two above it that from under water when dry becomes harder and more durable than that which grew above he lays them as cut athwart the boat until they form a little stack then quants with a shoving pole to the stave where he ties them up in bundles some six feet in circumference and sells them by the fathom when reeds were more in demand than now a reed bed formed a profitable adjunct to the owner's property and the fenman's earnings pains used to be taken in propagating them detached pieces of a reed bed were moored in likely places and a new growth speedily began now they encroach upon the broads all too fast extending their area year by year the bridge we stand on spans a narrow run of water and with the roadway trending on either side separates these two particular broads the runlet unites them turning round we take a survey of the other there is a sameness in the outlook only a grey church steeple breaks the distant line of trees and a tiny red flag marks the mooring place of a trading wherry a swampy rond with a narrow footpath insinuating itself into the labyrinth of alders 
tempts us to follow its windings the bog moss is growing rankly all else we tread on is dead and decaying water squeezes upwards at our every footstep and brambles catch our sleeves with their sturdy thorns the swamp is not untenanted a snipe and now another take to zigzag flight as we approach their hiding-places and a long-billed bird which we recognise at once as a woodcock springs from under our very feet flies wildly and in an indefinite manner overhead and drops again as suddenly as he appeared turning abruptly to follow a less used pathway we come suddenly upon a sight which fills us with interest and with sadness depending from a low tree branch by pieces of twine are the numerous victims of a gamekeeper's vengeance stoats and weasels form the greater number we wonder not so much at this magpie condemned to death with some degree of fairness perhaps for the mischief he was believed guilty of that of egg-stealing but why this innocent barn-owl we reckon up this gamekeeper as an ignorant unread and unthinking fellow some of the stoats are mere skins and skeletons for the blowfly was on his rambles when they were slaughtered and the shot-holes thickly perforating their necks and shoulders are a guarantee of the accuracy of the keeper's aim some siskins are dodging about on an older stem but take to flight on the approach of a green woodpecker whose anticipations of an abundant meal hiding behind the decaying bark upon a willow bowl just beneath it are not far out we remain motionless as yet the fine bird with his yellow-green coat and crimson cap has not espied us at a snail's pace we bring the glasses to our eyes how the fellow is chipping the bark to splinters now he has exposed the trunk to view it is a grand time he is having amongst the armadillos that so unexpectedly brought to light are too stupefied to seek fresh shelter we reach the small red drainage pump its sails are not revolving a strange noise sounding very like the rushing of wind through the pump sails we instinctively imagine as such but an alarm cry as of a plover makes us suddenly look up it was not the wind but the rustle of a hundred pairs of wings and that cry was the wail of a golden plover they are migrating we observe no other birds except a dabchick disporting himself under an overhanging bank the wind suddenly springs up and flings in airy circles the descending snowflakes ere we reach the village the canopy of blackness which has been shutting out the blue above us is pouring forth its accumulation of snow it eddies and twirls around us in the blast which whisks up the flakes already fallen and drifts them under the hedgerows the first that fell have melted 
but the myriads following lie one upon the other and remain until all nature is covered with a pall of dazzling whiteness the bell in the village steeple is tolling ominously surely death has not been visiting broadland alas he has and the fair have fallen dong dong at short intervals reverberates from the ivy-clad steeple as the old sexton at measured periods tolls the passing bell he has left his spade resting against a moss-grown headstone that marks the last resting-place where one of the rude forefathers of the hamlet sleeps yawning beside this is a freshly dug grave into which the spotless snow is gently falling as if to carpet the bare earth with unsullied purity there is a stir in the village apron-clad matrons are quietly hurrying to see the last of a little maiden whose burial takes place to-day some have donned all the black in their possession as a mark of respect for the departed they are making for the churchyard in the distance a solemn procession is wending its way hither also an old white pony is drawing its precious burden upon a cart over the coffin a velvet pall is spread snowflakes are falling lightly on it immediately behind follow the classmates of the dead maiden each with a snowdrop and a sprig of southernwood in her hand to throw directly upon the little coffin then follow the bereaved parents and their children and the friends of the family of whom muster a goodly number for half the village has turned out to pay homage to the little one gone to the land where there is no winter scarce a word is spoken and even then it is in subdued whispers the parson meets them at the church door with due solemnity and the procession files in slowly under the shelter of the old thatched roof two or three old men bent with age and leaning upon their sturdy staves bringing up the rear even they have a tiny slip of crape tied around the left arm the church service over the coffin is borne out and lowered into the open grave there is a strange feeling of awe displayed upon every feature as the soil drops with a thud upon the coffin lid and the quivering lips of the white-headed parson pronounce the well-known sentence earth to earth sobs are heard from relatives and sturdy fellows holding their broad-brimmed hats in one hand brush away a tear with the other brawny biceps now a sweet song is trilled by children's voices as they stand around the resting-place of their lost companion brief life is here our portion brief sorrow short-lived care the life that knows no ending the tearless life is there by the time the song is ended there is not a dry eye in the company around 
even rough nixie lutkins the poacher and his sworn enemy the gamekeeper drawn by one bond of sympathy are now side by side looking over the low wall and are in tears for the time being old feuds are forgotten in the general sorrow poor little nelly goldstone was the only being who ever had a kind word for nixie maybe she being dead yet speaketh to him who knows but that even now he may be making up his mind to profit by the lesson of her spotless life the service finished and the last look taken the congregation slowly disperses and the sun peering out from behind the snow-cloud that has passed over lights up the landscape and makes the countryside beautiful a fitting emblem of the brightness of a better world after a journey through the valley of the shadow of death winter now reigns supreme christmas the jolliest season of all the year is close upon us the town is unusually busy for everyone is making great preparations to welcome it even the hard-worked counterman puts up with its inconveniences with rest and pleasure in prospect there is an unusual bustle at the broadland station as we step out of our carriage and worm our way through a maze of hampers and baskets of good cheer the feet of fowls and the tails of game peep out in all directions is it not strange that much of our pleasure should depend on the death of the humbler creatures merrily ring the bells in the village steeple ding dong ding it is a sorry peal but the best the triplet of bells can do strong arms pull the ropes and the sound of their clanging is heard afar the drowsy bats among the rafters no doubt draw their heads from under their membranous wings and wonder at their strange awakening and the owls above them hiss and crouch at the farthest corner of their location ding dong ding let every one be glad for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given so runs the roughly painted scrollwork some village artist has proudly tacked around the old oaken pulpit there are lights twinkling in the church windows the parson and his helpers are making the church bright with evergreens befitting symbols of that name which endures through the generations it is not to the church we wend our way we are off to a supper at farmer carrison's a son is hum from the army one of his married gals is down from lunnon with her husband and it's a right merry time he intends a heaven and it is a right merry party we find sitting down in the spacious kitchen to a table creaking beneath the weight of the good things of this life Carrison welcomes us heartily and his company smile us a friendly greeting he himself saying us a complimentary 
so you've come boar we could say much about the coquetries and gallantries of the younger farmhands and the curious bits of broad norfolk dispensed by the older ones but space forbids when grace is said we fall to with a gusto that bespeaks the quality of the spread and the appetites that will speedily devastate it first come norfolk dumplings we give them capitals for they are unique they are the simplest of puddings compounded of flour water yeast and a dash of salt biled twenty minutes neither more nor less only norfolk matrons can make the legitimate article to see them knead and roll into shape between their hands nip off or add a pinch of dough is a sight that impresses you but to have them served up done to a nicety and swimming in gravy is an episode in your existence our friends stow away one apiece some of them more and then fall to a loin of pork that would make a bilious man stand aghast with it disappear turnips and potatoes next follows toad in the hole pork sausages baked in batter this fails to upset or satisfy then comes pork and apple pie with a crust as thick as a policeman's boot sole then pumpkin and apple pie and those who wish it may have their turn at rice pudding and giant custards lastly comes a monster plum pudding of which strange to say but sorry fragments afterwards find themselves upon the kitchen table all this time there has been much uncorking of non-intoxicants and the ale-barrel has been running itself dry as well we bid the party good-night ere the evening's fun commences which finishes with a merry dance and light refreshments strolling along in the cold crisp air we wander broadwards for the last time in the old year the frost dust sparkles in the moonlight a slight rime has touched the tree branches and the hedges with whiteness the broad is frozen over we hear no sounds but the crackling of the ice and the occasional cry of some awakened bird once we notice the murmur of starlings roosting in the reed bed then all is quiet again the report of a gun rings through the clear night air it is a suspicious sound and we doubt not some poacher is out on the prowl presently a figure emerges from a small wood ahead of us but as if our presence is simultaneously detected it disappears again once again the man as if reassured of our neutrality steps out from a nearer thicket and staring inquisitively at us recognizes us it is nixie lutkins at his old game again we had hoped better of him and we venture to tell him so ah boar what's bred in the bone'll work itself out somewhere 
he replies a feller can't help his instincts why when i were only a nipper the sound of a shot had just made me all excitement and it is only with a gun in my hands that i am happy now in spite of all that's brought me i can't part myself from it and why shouldn't i have some fun in life jest as well as a rich uns they abuse us for destroying a few head of game they can kill em by the hundred what feeds their bards but the farmer's corn and he doesn't open his mouth to say so their bards <laughs> ain't them pheasants and partridges on one man's field to-day and on another's to-morrow them as they belong to why didn't they mark em could any on em swear to a bard and say as sich and sich a one were their own particular property if they're theirs says i why didn't they keep em at home well i may be wrong but i like the fun and excitement the sight of a long-tailed un asleep on a tree branch sets me all afire all right governor you don't need to feel uneasy true a man's known by the company he keeps but dougal see as we shan't be overlooked he whistles and a scraggy but faithful lurcher which has been till now in hiding glides up to and takes its place behind him you'll keep sentry ain't you duke the dog answers by lifting a paw and wagging its tail in a cautious manner talk about dogs dukes as knowin some as must he never sells hisself by bargain he can trace and bring in a hare like a christian and he never recognise me in company and'll even pass me in the street as if we were the biggest strangers for he can tell mischief a brewin afore i can ah bor i have had some rare doos in my time let me light my pipe and i'll tell yer of one or two i once made a good haul on yin island it were this wise i knowed as how a lot o' long tails were roostin in there at nights for i'd seen em flyin over at even time they were snug like there weren't no stoats nor rats or sich like to worrit them lor it were tantalizin to see em whizzin over the bit o water and turnin in all serene one night i watched the keeper off the beat and slippin my old gun where she now is see i got her here half in each pocket i nips down to the broad there weren't much moon but just enough to distinguish this from that the broad were hard frizz and snow lay thick my footmarks had tell a tale so i jest off with my boots and stockings and reverses em stocks outside you know then i wraps some rushes round em you wouldn't ha known my tracks from a elephant's there they were snoozin in the trees i pops over a dozen right quick and off i come i hops ashore strike off across some fields 
making most of my way across tangled places and aside the halls and makes for hum i found old cubit's dicky wandering in a lane on him i jumped making him trot me the remainder of my journey to bustle him off with a kick or two as he'll remember to his dying day to hang my bards in the chimbley pop into bed and to get snoring with a work of a few minutes and none too soon neither for i'd hardly done it afore i heard the slop or policeman and keepers come in in course upstairs they all stumped where i were a snoring like a hippopotamus says the bobby this here is a rum do nixie's at hum and fast asleep it weren't him tis a rummin says a keeper we don't need to wake him and once more clappin the bull's eye on to me they hooks it however to keep from bustin with laughin i don't know and they hadn't cleared the house door afore i busts hallo says one what's that and i s'pose he listens then he says i s'pose that's the cat a wailin just then the cat do trot downstairs and that settles their opinions they couldn't prove nothin but give a dog a bad name and hang him so they say the wust o' wrong doin is that one thing leads to another if a feller don't lie outright to hide his tricks he had to act fool many a one to screen em and he's so tempted to act mean as well i ha used false whiskers makin myself look like other folk and once i slipped on a shepherd's coat i were traced but got away but poor old barney hewitt got run in cause they knowed his coat it were only my ownin up to the poachin as saved him a fortnight on the staircase for they found a couple of pheasants in the pockets when i dropped it mind you i never showed fight i value my neck too well no if i'm copped or taken i'm copped if i ain't i gets away that's logic ain't it says i never prop up a rotten beam with a worm-eaten bit of timber once i got away when i were took duke and i was out one evening on the old game we got a hare that were a four hares were chalked as wormin we heard footsteps and with no more ado we draws ourselves into a heap of rubbish hedge clippings briars brakes and sich like and covered ourselves serene that dog didn't make a dean or sound the keepers were arter us one on em actually stamped on duke's foot as he passed by but the old feller didn't even wince i felt his breath come quick and sharp agin my face they passed on sendin duke hum for i knowed they'd leave no stone unturned to get me i hides my old piece beneath a heap of hay she were rusty enough when i fetched her again and makes for the village pub they were there afore me in a moment the slop who'd been called in to help 
had the snips or handcuffs on me and out i had to go they thought they'd got their bird but they hadn't handcuffed as i wore i bolted they dashin arter me i could run then and for a while outdistanced them presently i trips agin a stern and comes down wallop luck however were on my side for one o' the links were brook lor how i pegged it well bore they lost all traces of me and by a roundabout way i gets into a barn unbeknown to em and hides beneath the straw i'd a knife in my pocket and by dint of sawin by next noontime i had my hands free altogether i got fearful hungry but thought it best to hide till nightfall then i goes round a mile or so to my brother's he were a hawker and put his brooms and pails and dwiles or housecloths and cetera in a box built behind like i begs him to see me hum so arter a feed he pops me in hid fust and puttin the pony in off he trots lor that were a ride if you like i had no end of bunnies or lumps on my head when we got to the house once when the pony draws into the hoss pond i just about stands upon it i wondered what were up arrived at the house he jerks open the door and shoots me in like a bale of goods i were laid up with a low fever for some weeks arter that and in the meantime the affair blowed over just now duke shows signs of uneasiness and his master takes the hint but before he leaves us he hurriedly remarks that he really intends to drop the business bore he adds that ere little un as were buried t'other day begged on me to do different and s'help me some day i mane to but it's hard to give up the old ways perhaps in the new year i'll turn over a new leaf but i must have my christmas dinner fust good night sir the fellow as suddenly vanishes as he appeared we continue our musings on the bridge alone the keeper for he it is whose oncoming has put the poacher to flight accosts us and makes comment on the beauty of the night feelings of delicacy on his part forbid him interrogating us as to whether we'd heard or seen anything in his way ding dong ding again peal forth the village bells their clear mellow tones ringing out through the bright quiet night there is something weird and beautiful in their clanging yet so strange withal now for a while they cease and the music of sweet childish voices is borne along upon the breath of the gentle wind a welcome as appropriate as it is touching of the day that we love best in the days of the year bringing to mind the beautiful and never tiresome story of the nativity of him whose praises the angels sang at bethlehem 
and his presence seems so real and near to us that unconsciously we take off our hat and the place whereon we stand seems hallowed ground reader it is time for us to take leave of each other can we do better than part at the manger where the holy child lay our broadland jaunts have come to an end end of chapter 12 end of man and nature on the broads by arthur henry patterson